Welcome to Sister Scriptorians, where we are devoted to learning, likening, and lifting others one principle at a time. Day of Visitation. Hello! Welcome back to the podcast. It is July. June is done. So I like summer vacation. I like my children being around, but let me tell you, the month of June is usually a little rough for me. I call it the month in which all high expectations are dashed. Like, we just all are disappointed. (laughs) myself, the children, we're all trying to figure out what our day-to-day routine is for summer. My children have certain ideas of what it should look like, and then I have certain ideas. And then about three weeks in, it takes us a good three weeks to chill out. We finally get into our groove. So July comes and we're, we're there. Summer's happening. It's usually when we have a lot of Boy Scout camps or girls camps. So we have that coming up. So anyways, you might be in the July groove as well. And so I say welcome. You made it through June. If June was particularly challenging for you, don't lose heart. July is going to be better. If June was smooth sailing for you, my hats are off to you. I have not been able to figure it out yet. But we're there. We're in July. And so anyways, because we're in July, we have a winner for June's contest. And the winner is Grateful Granny. Grateful Granny was so gracious. She was gracious enough to go to iTunes and to submit a review for this podcast. And Grateful Granny, I'm talking to you. If you will go to sisterscriptorians at yahoo.com and send me an email with your address, I would love to send you a copy of the Book of Mormon journal that you can buy at Deseret Book, but I'd like to give you one. I'd like to let you know how much I appreciate you listening and taking the time out to rate and give our podcast a review. And please send an email so that I can send you this gift. I've got it, so I just want to send it to you. So this week's chapter is 2 Nephi chapter 20, and truthfully, I had a little bit of a struggle with it. It is definitely an Isaiah chapter where we might begin to doubt our compatibility with our new friend, especially if you don't know the region of Syria and Israel and Judah. It could just be a whole bunch of names that you're just not getting an understanding. And that is exactly what I experienced. But the impressions that came to my mind of what I could learn from this chapter were this, and this is what I'm going to share with you. Lest we suppose that Assyria was more righteous than the covenant people of God in Israel or Judah, this chapter, it sets the record straight. Last week, I tried to carefully explain that the Lord's protection necessarily had been withdrawn from his people because they were not abiding by his commandments. They weren't heeding the words of the prophet or actually prophets. They were turning to graven images and they feared man more than they feared him. And when the Lord does remove himself, I think there's like a void that's left and something must fill that void. And if we aren't filling it with righteousness and with light, well, then what comes in? wickedness and darkness. And Assyria 
was the darkness. They were powerful. And with the Lord not there to protect his people, they were permitted to penetrate the defenses and they were able to conquer. And I equate them to what actually the Lamanites were for the Nephites, a scourge to bring them to the remembrance of the Lord. And Assyria is that scourge for the house of Israel. But just because Assyria was permitted to be a scourge, it does not mean that the Lord was approving of them. And I think that's an important piece of wisdom to keep in your back pocket. Don't mistake tolerance for acceptance, right? And much of the second half of this chapter is Isaiah prophesying that Assyria will prevail, but they will also in time be destroyed. So if you look at the heading of chapter 20, it states that the destruction of Assyria is a type of the destruction of the wicked at the second coming. Few people will be left after the Lord comes again. The remnant of Jacob will return in that day. So I reread the chapter again. I usually like to read the chapter. And then if I'm struggling, I look at the heading. And this time I definitely did that. I read the chapter to see what impressions that I would just receive. And then I looked back at the chapter heading. And then I reread chapter 20 again. This time looking for how this chapter could apply to me. Why did Nephi include this? His people didn't know about the landscape or the, the area of, in which Isaiah is referring to. So why did Isaiah write this chapter even? And why is it a type of days before the second coming? Because frankly, it's interesting. This chapter has not been quoted very often at all. And the Institute Manual, it just had a nice paragraph for the whole chapter. So there's not a lot of help as far as written material goes. But never fear, though it may be short and sweet, these are the thoughts that I had as I pondered what its application could be to you and to me. And the application is this. There will be forces that will seek to destroy my faith, my testimony, and my steadfastness. Logically, where there is opposition in all things, as we approach the second coming of the Lord especially, the force of wickedness will grow. It will be a time of testing. And the question is, will I fear man more than I fear God? Will I only believe what my eyes tell me? Will I be like King Ahaz and trust more in my intellect, in my peers' opinions, and give power to my fear? Or am I going to listen to the prophet, even when he tells me simple things to do, like Isaiah told Ahaz? Remember Isaiah's counsel, take heed and be quiet. Fear not, neither be faint-hearted. When you're about to enter war, that counsel could sound dangerously simplistic. Will I put my trust in the Lord? Will I walk by faith? In verse 3, Isaiah asks, What will ye do in the day of visitation? And truthfully, I'm unclear exactly what the term visitation is meaning here, but this is what I'm going to go with. And as always, it is important for you to read these scriptures. 
And with the spirit of prophecy, determine for yourself what Isaiah is trying to teach you. But the day of visitation or the second coming is an event, really. There is going to be some prelude leading up to it. And then the Lord coming, and then the working out of those who will be here upon the earth. We don't know when this day of visitation will be. And we don't know the hour when he will come. But I can choose to determine right now what I will be doing during these moments. Will I be about my father's business? And what is my father's business? Or will I be aligning with pride and selfishness, which is what is referred to here in verse 2, to turn away the needy from judgment and to take away the right from the poor of my people, that widows may be their prey and that they may rob the fatherless? Will I, in the day of visitation, will I be caring for God's children, whatever their circumstances may be? Will their plight be my plight? Will I have trained myself to know how to care for the needy instead of just shrugging my shoulders in helplessness? Isn't that such an awful feeling when a need is presented and we don't know how to help? But I think through the Lord's help, I know through the Lord's help, we can train ourselves on how to be able to be there to help in the way he would desire us to help. And I think that's a key in gaining the ability to be able to receive personal revelation. Will I preserve the dignity of the poor by parting with my substance, with my abundance to aid them in their need? Will I be a protector of the widow and of the fatherless? Will I even be aware of their grief, of their struggle and their pain? And that also is a sensitivity that we need to develop, isn't it? Especially today in the world of best face forward Instagram and Facebook, I need to know how to be a friend, how to love, how to be permitted into someone's heart so that I can aid them in their needs and not wait for my government or my bishopric or my Relief Society president to step in, but that I'll be stepping in. I need to do a better job at looking outside of my four walls and really seeing people, truly seeing them and what their experiences are and what they're in need of. Because this chapter tells us desolation will come just like it did in Isaiah's times. And though I don't know what that will look like exactly, I do need to ask myself, what will I be doing? Will my heart fail me? I think some of us may be, from time to time, experiencing our own personal day of desolation. I think we experience that when our faith is being tried or when our senses appear to point us in directions that are contrary to the words of the prophets. When we experience that pride that tells us that we know better and are better than those around us, that can be a day of desolation. Anything that is taking us away from our Lord Jesus Christ and filling that void with enmity, either towards him or towards our fellow men. And Isaiah asks the question that you must ask yourself, to whom will ye flee for help? Is it God? 
Is it Jesus Christ and his characteristics and his attributes? Is it in trusted loved ones who have passed through difficult times and have maintained their testimony, and while maintaining that, they have gained faith and perspective? Please look at the fruits of those who you do flee to for help. Are their fruits love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? Would you describe them in pursuing and emulating these attributes? I'm not saying they need to be perfect. I'm working really hard myself at getting there, and I mess up, and I know people notice. But oh well, I get back up and I begin with what I know and then I try to do better. Are those people doing that? And finally, Isaiah asks, where will you leave your glory? I don't know. Is it going to be in yourself? Will it be in others? Or will it be in God? Will I submit to the truth that every good thing comes from God and that His glory is what fills me and upholds me and moves me to His purpose of bringing to pass the immortality and the eternal life of man? These are all things that I hope to never lose sight of, no matter how difficult or how powerful the opposition feels. That though confusion will arise and that there may be pushback on my beliefs as they become more and more unpopular as we do move to the days of the second coming, I trust that my efforts to learn of him, to listen to his words, and to try to emulate him, even if it's rather clumsy, I trust that he won't forsake me. I want to see him when he comes again. And if I am fortunate enough to be alive, I know that the words of Isaiah are illuminating the path for me to get back to him, to be on his side. I'm so grateful for Isaiah. Aren't you? Haven't you learned so much from him? His simplicity, when you peel back the layers, is rather remarkable. But it has the power to help us to be a part of the few who will be left after the Lord comes again. What a gift. What a gift Isaiah is. Sister Scriptorians, what will you do in the day of visitation? Join me in praying about how we can be found doing exactly what the Lord would have us do. How can we better serve His children? How can we develop sensitivities to know how to lift the needy physically, spiritually, emotionally, you name it. Let's learn how to do it and then give him all the glory. Make it a great day.